Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, a closer look at some of the misinformation about COVID vaccines, an update on the Salvation Army Red Kettle campaign, and a unique story from a golden gopher. But first... COVID didn't cease and neither did politics as Minnesotans got ready for a Christmas unlike any other they've ever had. MN's Bill Warner has a recap. The week began with lawmakers back in St. Paul for their seventh special session of the year, while Minnesotans waited to see whether Governor Tim Walz would order that restaurants and bars remain closed through the holidays. I hope he hears this today where he can say, you know what, I do need to make this decision. Here is my decision. And we'll just have to live with that. Republican Representative Dave Baker from Wilmer. Hospitality business owners were frustrated that the governor was waiting until just two days before his closure order expired to tell Minnesotans whether it would be extended. Donovan Frauendienst owns O'Neill's and Spicer. Just would have been nice um, if we would all have a little heads up on this um, going into this shutdown. I mean, if the government side of things would have planned ahead a little bit. Governor Walls said he needed the absolute latest information on the pandemic situation to make the proper decision. But the signals were pretty much there about what he was going to do. Health Commissioner Jan Malcolm said early in the week when asked what her department's guidance has been to the governor on whether the restrictions should be loosened. The question of you know, what's going to be appropriate for the end-of-year holidays um, it, it, it's probably more, more similar than different. The legislature on Monday passed a $200-plus million state aid package for bars, restaurants, and other businesses shut down by the governor's emergency order, plus a 13-week extension of unemployment benefits for hospitality workers. Republican Senator Andrew Matthews from Princeton, one of just four senators voting no. This bill that the governor asked for right after shutting down our restaurants and our hospitality industry again is just cookie crumbs from the royal table. Prior Lake Republican Eric Pratt negotiated that bill. I don't disagree with the governor's emergency powers because he's a Democrat. I disagree with the governor because he's been wrong every damn time. Let's not pretend that we're doing this because the governor caused this problem, because the governor didn't cause this problem. Plenty of people, I could argue, made it a lot worse than it needed to be. Roseville Democrat John Marty, Faribault Senator John Jasinski, said the aid package could help businesses get by for a while longer. But they're afraid by passing this package, it gives the governor an excuse to continue to keep them closed. We now have people who are worried about paying their mortgage and buying their health care, maybe buying their kids something for Christmas who are now forced to become renegades and, and lawbreakers. Anoka Republican Jim Abler talking about business owners threatening to defy the governor's closure order. What will happen is that people will get sick with COVID and some people will die. And I don't think anybody, any of these business owners want to be responsible for that. Attorney General Keith Ellison, who said he feels for business owners but must enforce the law. If those operators are making decisions on, on what they know best, I don't like to see the attorney general showing up with with uh, black suburbans and trying to make these few people feel like they're they're killing people. They're really not. They're just trying to survive. Representative Dave Baker. I am incredibly grateful of the sacrifices you made to pull that back down. We've still got a ways to go. Not a surprise when Governor Walls announced Wednesday that bars, restaurants and breweries will remain closed for indoor dining through the holidays. 
Although outdoor service is allowed with capacity limits, gym and fitness studios may reopen for individual exercise at 25% capacity and other precautions. Youth and adult sports practices can resume January 4th. And Minnesotans may have inside social gatherings with one other household up to 10 people. Hospitality Minnesota's Liz Raymer called the extension of the bar and restaurant restrictions devastating. This is a critical time of year, as we know, for this industry. Hospitality businesses make really, they get in the black with 40% of their sales in some cases coming this time of year. So to extend this further, we have just taken away uh, Christmas for all of these folks. Raymer says more and more businesses are out of desperation, risking fines and penalties to save their livelihoods. A few businesses began defying the governor's order. Attorney General Ellison saying he understands their plight but can't let people spread COVID. I do have a responsibility to enforce the law, and we will take people to court if we need to. We will ask the court to impose fines if we need to, but we don't want it. We'd like to get compliant. We'd like people to simply obey the law. There was one big bright spot in the governor's order, perhaps prompted by pleas from lawmakers like Cook Independent Tom Bach. The University of Minnesota has done a lot of research on the amount of brain development that happens in those very early years of life. And our young learners are being hurt greatly by what is going on. The governor announced that beginning January 18th, every elementary school in Minnesota has the option to reopen their classrooms if they put additional safety measures in place. What we do know is our youngest children are are less susceptible to serious complications, and I don't want to minimize that. One child getting COVID is too many, but what we've learned is how to reduce that spread. Republican Senator Roger Chamberlain responded students in grades 7 through 12 should also be back in school saying it's been done safely elsewhere in the world. We intend to do everything we can, hell or high water, to get kids back in school learning and safe. Much better place for them. It's just simply too destructive not to have them there. These are the same folks who told us that we should just open everything up in November and um, before the surge that was there. And if the governor would engage with us, we could discuss that with him and probably get to a workable solution. At this point in time, I really need my partners in the legislature to start being partners to make this happen. We agree. Get these kids back in school as safely, as quickly as possible. And I hope when we come back here in January, they're ready to do that. Scott? Thank you, Bill. An update on the new COVID vaccine in Minnesota when Minnesota Matters returns. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound, chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. State health officials are concerned that with the arrival of COVID-19 vaccines, there's also a significant amount of misinformation out there about the vaccines and the virus. I recently spoke with health partners Dr. Mark Sanis about some of the biggest misconceptions about the vaccine. I still believe that people think and perhaps worry that they could get COVID-19 from vaccination, and that simply is not possible. The vaccine was formulated in such a way that we are not using live vaccine. We are not using a weakened COVID-19 vaccine to vaccinate people. We're using a vaccine that has been engineered to produce a piece of a protein that the COVID-19 virus makes. And when we are vaccinated with that, we generate an immune response to it so that if we are ever exposed to the actual virus, we will be protected from it uh, by our immune response. And tied to that, there are some folks who believe if they've if they've had the virus already that they're immune to getting it again and so they shouldn't receive a vaccine. Is that true? The guidance on folks who have had COVID-19 already related to vaccination is still getting worked out. But I suspect we will be recommending everybody get vaccinated. And while vaccine supply is limited early on, we would ask that those have been those who have had COVID-19 in the last 90 days wait until later to get their vaccine. We don't know that that infection is going to give them protection or lifelong immunity. And we know that uh, the vaccine will likely boost their antibody levels much higher and perhaps give them a longer uh, degree of protection. We also know that the proposed timeline for the availability of the vaccine has been kind of uh, a fluid situation, so to speak, in that it's changed over time. And essentially, I think a lot of people were surprised that the vaccine ended up being available as quickly as it did. Uh, That has some people concerned that maybe corners were cut or that not enough um, evidence is available to determine that the vaccines are safe. What would you say to people that have concerns about that? The reason we are getting the vaccine as early as we are relates to how much COVID-19 is circulating in the United States. The FDA, to their credit, has insulated themselves from the politics around this over the last year and set parameters in all of these clinical trials that basically made it so that the number of people getting COVID-19 was the determining factor for when the trial was completed. So if you have a vaccine group and a placebo group, you wait until a certain number of people have had COVID-19, and then you compare those two groups. It turns out, when you look at it, once they hit that endpoint, that study endpoint of, you know, approximately 200 cases of COVID-19, the vast majority of cases were in the group that received the placebo. Very few cases were in the group that received the vaccine. And nobody that was hospitalized um, was in the vaccine group. 
In terms of the numbers of people that have been part of these trials and that have already received a vaccine, what kinds of numbers are we talking about? I mean, is that is there any reassurance there that, um, you know, uh, strength in numbers in terms of how many people have been tested already? These are huge vaccine trials. Normally, we would see vaccines approved on a much smaller scale with a few thousand patients. Both of the uh, clinical trials that are being reviewed at the FDA, one this week by Pfizer, the one next week by Moderna, have between 30 and 40,000 uh, folks that were enrolled. So these are large, well-powered studies that I think represent the population well. There are going to be people out there that are resisting getting the vaccination, and I'm wondering what you would say to those people in terms of why it's important that as many people as possible get it. I think there is a thought that herd immunity, just by getting exposed to the vaccine, is somehow going to be a better way for us to to get to the other side of this pandemic. My response to that would, would be, Yes, that would get us immunity, but it, at the cost of thousands of unnecessary lives lost to COVID-19. By vaccinating, we are going to prevent those deaths and get to the other side of this much faster. I think the uh, important thing to remember um, when it comes to any vaccine is look to clinicians, doctors, nurses that you trust and ask them what they are doing. We vote with our feet on this one, and I think you're going to see the vast majority of healthcare workers signing up for this vaccine as soon as they can possibly get it. In terms of the the actual rollout of the vaccine, I know we've we've had people talking about the uh, having some sort of a, a, a guideline from on, at the federal level to make this go more smoothly versus at the state level. I mean, do you have concerns about the rollout of the vaccine to the public? I think if we do this in an organized fashion from the state on down through the health systems, we will get the majority of people. Sure, we could perhaps do this, you know, from a, a much more of a top-down strategy with the government uh, running the, the rollout of the vaccine. I don't think uh, we're set up for that right now. And I think as a health system, we're confident that we'll get to people. It may take us and everyone else a while to get everyone, but our intent is to get everybody that wants a vaccine vaccinated. Thank you to my guest, Health Partners, Dr. Mark Sanis. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. For the first time in 130 years, the Salvation Army kicked off its annual holiday fundraising campaign early in order to help rescue Christmas for those in need amid COVID-19. Tasha Radel has an update on how this year's Red Kettle campaign is holding its own. That's right, Scott. The countdown to the end of the Red Kettle campaign is here. The Salvation Army is one of Minnesota's largest social services organizations. And let me tell you, they are seeing a drastic, I mean drastic, increase in requests for services. Joining me today is Minnesota Salvation Army spokesman Brian Mullahan. Brian, I'm going to come out of the gate today and ask right away, how are things going as we get closer to Christmas and deeper into the coronavirus pandemic? So we're we're cautiously optimistic is the words that I would use. Brian, I know the Red Kettles rolled out earlier than normal this year. 
How are donations coming along? Typically, they start out really slow, and then once the day after Thanksgiving hits, there's something psychological that happens with people, and that's when we really start to see the bulk of the giving happen. Um, like you mentioned, they are a critical fundraiser for us. I mean, it's how we provide the dollars for the feeding programs, the sheltering the homeless, all the different things we do. We're holding our own right now. Um, so there, uh, we've, we've got some of our, our core locations throughout Minnesota and North Dakota. That's the Northern Division that are down right now. Others are actually up a little bit. The net right now for kettles is about 11% off. Again, it's, there, there's an air, uh, kind of an air of cautious optimism with that because really this week and now through December 24th are when the bulk of kettle giving typically happens. I'm guessing the demand for Salvation Army services has skyrocketed since the start of the COVID pandemic. Is that pretty fair to say? Oh, Tasha, it is off the charts. I've been in the the nonprofit kind of homelessness hunger space for a little over 30 years of my career. I have never seen the level of need that I'm seeing now. And how do Minnesotans make a donation to the Salvation Army, especially if they don't come across a red kettle? I would love for your listeners to go to Salvation Army North dot org and click the donate button that is the best way um, if they are out and they see a red kettle they can go out and certainly drop something in the kettle or all of the kettles this year are equipped with contactless digital ways to give so we've got qr codes on there you can go up and just tap your phone to the sign and it'll actually pull up google pay and apple pay if you're if you utilize those services but otherwise, SalvationArmyNorth.org is the best way for people to give this year. Well, we're about out of time today, Brian. Anything you want to leave us with here before the holidays? You know, I just would encourage everybody listening right now that if there ever was a year to give deeper, to volunteer that extra hour, this is the year to do that. And it's not just a a plea, if you will, for the Salvation Army. Believe me, we, we need more volunteers and more dollars to meet the need. But I would also just put that out there for all of the other favorite nonprofits and charities that your listeners support. This pandemic has left no corner of our society untouched, and the needs are enormous. And it's going to require all of us digging deeper than we've ever dug before. And the last thing I would just simply say is if there are people listening right now that are in need, please reach out to the Salvation Army. We are here to help. That's right, Brian. Dig deeper if you can. I just want to thank you so much for your time today. The Salvation Army is near and dear to my family, as you know. Through the years, these stories have really helped a lot of Minnesotans going through difficult times. I'll be sure to check in soon and see how things are rolling along. Tasha, we would love that. I appreciate all the work that you guys do. You are a blessing because people can't help if they don't know the story and that they, if they don't know there's a need. Thanks again to my guest, Brian Mullahan with the Minnesota Salvation Army Division. 
Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Do you know that more lives are lost to lung cancer each year than breast, colorectal, and prostate cancers combined? Lung cancer will claim more than 135,000 lives this year. But new treatments have improved survival for many with the disease and offer new hope for many more. So does lung cancer screening with low-dose chest CT. The American Cancer Society and most major professional organizations recommend that adults ages 55 and older with a long history of smoking, even if they have quit, should talk with their doctor to learn more about lung cancer screening. Lung cancer screening saves lives by detecting lung cancer early when it's more successfully treated. So, ask your doctor if lung cancer screening is right for you. And if you smoke, ask your doctor to help you quit. Visit the National Lung Cancer Roundtable website at nlcrt.org. That's nlcrt.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As the Golden Gopher football team plays its final regular season game this weekend against the Wisconsin Badgers, there continues to be unique and fun stories to tell during an uncommon and challenging year. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm has one such story for Minnesota Matters. Scott, one of the enjoyable things for college football fans to observe is the growth of an unheralded, relatively unknown young player developing into a bona fide contributor to their favorite team. Of course, those kinds of stories usually don't happen if not for hard work and perseverance. Golden Gophers senior wide receiver Clay Geary of Lakeville did not receive a scholarship offer from the Gophers out of high school. Instead, he was invited to pay his own way to school, to walk on, and earn his roster spot with no promises that anything would ever come of it. Well, five years later, finally, that determination is paying off with an increased role on offense for Geary. Here's Morgan to throw, rolling right, waits, fires on the far side, and Clay Geary makes a great two-handed catch right near the first down stick. He's right on the 35-yard line, and they'll move the sticks for a first down, and once the chains are set, they'll start the clock, and they do just that. And a beautiful strike there by Morgan. All right, Clay, that's all I can say about that. That's going to get a ball and making your quarterback look like that was a great pass. That was. It was over the underneath receiver and, and on the money to him where only he could catch it, and he went and got it. Four catches, 32 yards for Geary. It's been very rewarding, and I was a zero-star recruit coming out of high school, and all I know how to do is work. And so I came here with the mindset that I have absolutely nothing to lose. I'm going to bust my tail. I'm going to make my teammates better. I'm going to make myself better. And, you know, with Coach Fleck coming in and this new culture, it gave me structure to really flourish and i was able to you know start getting gaining some ground under my feet and started to become a better receiver better teammate um better person better person athletically um, academically socially and spiritually so you know it's been a really special journey and if there's one thing i've learned it's love the process because i'm a fifth year senior and I wouldn't be here if I didn't love this every single day. So yeah, I do think some people forget about the work you put in. I mean, you're you're lifting weights, you're running, you're doing drills, you're, you 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 pay attention to your diet um, and all those things in order to hopefully get a chance. And uh, whether you get that chance or not, you've got to have a passion, right, for for what you're doing and enjoy it and be around and and you have that. Yeah, definitely. I I mean. You have to find what you're passionate about, and football is something that I'm passionate about, and it drives me to be better in all areas of my life. You know, it's not just something that I wake up 
um, excited about like this is this is what I love to do and hopefully I can make a career out of it. You're from Lakeville, Minnesota. Played at Lakeville South. Um, what was as, as your recruiting process? You mentioned you were a zero star recruit. So take me through how you ended up on the University of Minnesota campus as a Gopher football player uh, from Lakeville. Yeah. So the summer of my senior year, actually, I came to a camp at Minnesota as a receiver because I played running back in high school, and um, you know had a great camp, got some looks, um, and then I was recruited by Mike Sherrills, and. Uh, you know, that him believing in me and giving me an opportunity meant everything to me. You know, I grew up a Gopher fan and, um, you know, like Carter Coughlin says, I, I bleed maroon and gold. And, you know, it was just a blessing to be here and get an opportunity to play for my home state. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Your upbringing in the state of Minnesota, how do you think that has shaped kind of uh, your work ethic and, and who you are? Yeah, no, I have my parents to thank for that. And they have instilled an incredible work ethic in me that has carried me this far and I'm sure will carry me throughout the rest of my life. So, And, and uh, not just on the field, as I, I need to let the secret out of the bag before we came on, you were on your laptop turning in an assignment for homework. So uh, you're also uh, working hard in that area too, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I do want to take you back to a day last summer, uh, 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 days in which we actually got to go to sporting events and be fans and uh, watch a Twins game and all of that stuff. Uh, take me back to that day at Target Field where you and your teammates were taking in a game, uh, and it turned out in your hometown Major League Baseball team, you were there with your your hometown college football team uh, and and kind of let folks who are watching here uh, take us through uh, what happened that day and the surprise you got. Yeah, I mean, that was special. I had all of my roommates there, Carter Coughlin, Kamal Martin, Thomas Barber, and Antoine Winfield. And, um, you know, I had a feeling that, you know, maybe uh, this is the day that I get put on scholarship. But um, immediately, like, I threw that out of my head. I'm like, no, don't even think about that because if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be pretty disappointed, but um, that was special. That was really special. And Coach Fleck and the staff put together an amazing day, and they really made it um, a day to remember for me. So, you know, it was – just amazing having my roommates dogpile me and screaming, so it was cool. And how it unfolded, i got to remember, uh, each of you guys threw out, what, a ceremonial first pitch, right? And then was there a message somehow delivered to you to uh, uh, kind of rekindle that as a memory for me? How'd that work? Yeah, so after I skipped the ball to home plate, um, <laughs> the uh, catcher, the pitcher for the Twins came out and handed me a ball that said, congrats, you're on scholarship. And I gave that ball to my dad. Uh, he has it in his locker at home. And, um, you know, that means a lot to me, but it also means a ton to my family. And, you know, to, to have them go through my entire life and to see things start to, starting to pay off, that was really special for them as well. Last one, Clay Geary, go for wide receiver. We have about a, a half a minute to go here. Kind of tell us what your major is uh, and, and what your area of study is and eventually down the road what you'd like to do. Yeah, so um, I'm in the Carlson School of Management, and I'm majoring in uh, marketing and entrepreneurial management. Um, But also, since I'm doing a sixth year, I'm going to add another major, and that'll be finance. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Very good. So we can break the story here. You're back next year as well? Yes. Awesome. That's super. That's good to hear. Scott, back to you. Thank you, Mike. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.